The man hurls five lifebelts, one after the other, into the sea. Other holidaymakers drop their possessions as they flee, so that the walkway is littered with bottles and sunglasses and cardboard cones of chips. A cocker spaniel runs in circles, trailing a blue lead. Two men are helping an elderly lady to her feet when yet more decking gives way beneath them. The shorter, bearded man grabs the clawfoot of an iron bench and hangs onto the woman till a teenage boy is able to lean down and help them both up, but the taller man with the braces and the rolled-up shirt sleeves slides down the buckled planking till he is brought to a halt by a spike of broken rail which enters the small of his back. He wriggles like a fish. No one will go down to help him. The slope is too steep, the structure too untrustworthy. A father turns his daughter's face away. The men running the big wheel are trying to empty each gondola in turn, but those stuck at the top of the ride are screaming, and those lower down are unwilling to wait their turn and jump out, some twisting ankles, one breaking a wrist. On the beach, everyone stands and stares at the hole, punched into the familiar view. The coloured lights still flash. Faintly, they can hear the Emperor waltz. Five men tear off shoes and shirts and trousers, and run into the surf. A line of seven ornamental belvedere's runs down the centre of the pier. The western side of this spine is now impassable, so everyone seaward of the fall is squeezing through the bottleneck on the eastern side to reach the turnstiles, the promenade, and safety. At the narrowest point, people are starting to lose their footing and tumble, so that those still upright must either walk on top of them or fall and be trampled in their turn. Sixty seconds gone, seven people dead, three survivors in the water. The man with the braces and the rolled-up sleeves is still alive, but will not be for long. Eight people, three of them children, are being crushed by the crowd pouring over them. One of the Belvedere's is listing now, the metal structure being twisted so hard that the twenty-two glass windows explode one after the other. The pier manager has opened the service gate beside the turnstiles, and escapees are fanning onto the pavement, dishevelled, bloody, wide-eyed. A small boy is being carried in the arms of his father. A teenage girl with a shattered femur sticking through the skin of her right leg is suspended between the shoulders of two men. The traffic along the promenade comes to a halt, and a crowd lines the rails. The whole front is so quiet that everyone hears the noise this time. Two minutes and twenty seconds. The Belvedere falls first, dragging the metal framework and the decking after it. Forty-seven people drop into a threshing machine of spars and beams. Only six of these people will survive, one of them a boy of six, whose parents wrap themselves around him as they fall. The rubberized wires carrying power along the pier spark like fireworks as they're torn apart. All the lights go out on the end of the pier. The barrel organ wheezes to a halt. The men swimming out to help are lifted on the small tsunami generated by the mass of broken pier entering the water. It passes under them and heads towards the beach, where it sends everyone scurrying above the high water mark as if it were infected by the event which caused it. The arcade manager sits in his tiny office at the end of the pier, the dead receiver pressed to his ear. He is twenty-five. He has never even been to London. He has no idea what to do. The pilot of a twin-engine Cessna 76D looks down. 
He can't believe what he's seeing. He banks and circles the pier to double-check before radioing Shoreham Tower. The pier is now in two separate sections, the ragged end of one facing the ragged end of the other, forty-five tons of wood and metal knotted in the water between them. Some of those stranded on the seaward section stand at the edge, desperate to be seen and heard by anyone who might rescue them. Others hang back, trying to gauge the most dependable part of the structure. Three couples are trapped in the ghost train, listening to the noises outside, fearful that if they manage to get out, they will find themselves watching the end of the world. On the landward section, two people lie motionless on the decking, and three others are too badly injured to move. A woman is shaking the body of her unconscious husband as if he is overslept and is late for work, while a man with tattooed forearms chases the petrified cocker spaniel in a large figure of eight. An elderly